We're back with another episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast. Andrew King and Zach McVay, we're going to be talking about um, the NFL in week two. Um, two weeks into the NFL season, we've got we had a lot of big wins. Um, obviously, it's early in the season, but no team fall to. And I think it's pretty clear who had the biggest win of week two, and that was the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday night. Um, had a really tough Monday night loss in week one to the Las Vegas Raiders. Knock off the Kansas City Chiefs in week two. And you could tell how much that game meant to the Baltimore Ravens team and coaching staff after the game. Um, and it was it, it was a great way to end the day. Yeah, there was some there was some emotion from a Harbaugh. Uh, I know it had to be happiness, but God, I think there was some relief in there, too, uh, whenever he sent Lamar out there to go for it on fourth and one. But that's the right decision. You give Mahomes a minute left to go down and score just a field goal. He's most likely going to do it. So I love the call by Harbaugh and um, happiness, relief, all the emotion. Um, trusting Lamar. Lamar got, took a lot of flack after last week, but uh, what a game. The, these night games have all been really good, except kind of the Lions-Packers, but um, all, the, all the night games, the Thursday and Sunday night games have been amazing. Yeah, two, two interceptions from Lamar, but 200, 107 um, on the ground and three total touchdowns. He got it done. He made some mistakes early, and they, they really did have to claw back into it. Um, and with the injuries they've had on both sides of the ball, and seeing a guy like Anthony Averett covering Tyreek Hill locked down in the fourth quarter, making a big play. It's just one of those that that's the greatness of the NFL. You've got to play the game. Obviously, we all know Tyreek Hill is a much better player, but the, those guys stepped up and obviously they have a great quarterback, um, a great head coach, a great team around him. But you need those guys who are under the radar filling in for the injured, injured guys like um, uh, Marcus Peters. You, you need those guys to step up, and the Ravens got that. And I guess right now it's it's taking it one week at a time, but I guess the question going forward is what kind of production can you get out of those reserve guys who are forced into starting roles right now? Right, and the biggest thing that I think about is, I mean, the Chiefs had that game uh, locked up. If Clyde just doesn't fumble, fumble it away. He he really just fumbled the game away. And what's the uh, what the story could have been for the, for the Ravens? It would have been two just heartbreaking losses in a row. And then all of a sudden, with one huge play by their rookie um, defensive lineman, it completely almost changes changes their season is a little dramatic for week two, but it really does. O and two teams don't make the playoffs very often, and so that that one big play, um, Lamar cued him in it even after starting the game with a, a tough pick six. Um, just really, really great fight, and um, it's also funny to me how nobody even worries about the Chiefs. Like the Chiefs lose this horrible game and. They made a big mistake at the end, and like everybody just talks about the Ravens and the Chiefs, are like yeah, they'll still be there at the end. Um, and nobody's worried about them. Exactly, and and going into this game, because when you look at the Ravens' next five games, they've got the Lions, the Broncos, the Colts, the Chargers, and the Bengals. So looking at that, that's at least three wins on my mind. Um, could be four, could even be five. So I wasn't too worried dropping this game. I th- honestly think the win versus Kansas City means so much more for the Ravens long-term goals you know because it's been what oh oh for three yes this is week two yes this is a game that doesn't really matter um but it matters the win mattered so much more to the Ravens than it would have to the Chiefs and I think everyone saw that right away after the game and and you're, you're right no I don't think anyone is too worried about the Chiefs following that loss and like you said if if Clyde edwards Lair doesn't fumble for Kansas City right and uh, another another comeback victory for Mahomes but on the, on the CEH Clyde Edwards-Alaire talk, I, I'm just not impressed with him, man. 
I after coming out of LSU, I kind of had big hopes. Last year, he's everybody's fantasy darling. He's going to be in the Chiefs' Andy Reid offense. Going to go crazy. Every time I watch him, he he doesn't make a he doesn't make any plays that you're surprised by. You're, you're never like, oh wow, good play by Clyde. It's either he gets hit at three yards of the line of scrimmage and falls down, or that he doesn't get touched until six yards and then he gets hit. He never seems to make the first guy miss. And I just I just wonder the offense just looks different whenever. Um, they have a guy that that can make people miss and kind of respect the running game. I just don't think Clyde Clyde is their long-term guy. I know it's only year two. He's only played two games this year. But I've watched a lot of his games, and I just don't think that he's anything more than an average running back for spending such a high pick on him. Yeah, and, and I think the you, you can still say the jury's out on him, but I think it it's fair to count the lack of success against him when it comes to the running holes that there are in that Kansas city offense. Like if you're on the best passing team in the NFL, the run game should be thriving, you know, and it really just hasn't. And yes, a lot of that can come down to the O line, but a lot of that does, we see it week in and week out with the elite running backs that they have a huge part of that as well. Um, But with that point, it's interesting because on the Ravens, there's a guy who I think is having a really good start here, who was a first round pick that, Maybe didn't look that great, and that's Marquise Brown. Through two weeks, he's got 12 catches, 182 yards, and a touchdown in each of the first two games. Um, went for over 100 yards on Sunday night, and he's a guy that I like what I see through the first couple weeks. But he's also a guy that I've been very vocal about hasn't panned out, whether it's, whether it's the, the lack of size. He's only 5'9", 180. He came into the NFL maybe at 170, 165 range. And so he's had to put on some weight, but he was a guy that didn't look very good early on and the start of that third year and he's looked good early and so kind of the flip side of your Clyde Edwards Elaire take um could could Marquise Brown finally break out because he's another guy that hasn't lived up to that first round billing yeah and I think the Ravens I don't know if they're I, I'm putting the blame on Mark Andrews Mark Andrews has kind of been hyped up overhyped um as a tight end as well he hasn't really been making plays uh this year and even last year he struggled with drops um uh, I'm gonna need to see Mark Andrews do a little bit more I feel like he hasn't hasn't had like a splash play. He did have five for 57 this past game, so he was solid. But for him, I, I see him as having like the Kelsey role on that offense, and he's just not even close to really producing like I think they thought he would after giving him that huge contract. Yeah, and I, I think Andrews is he, he's a freak athlete. He's a guy that you you run him five yards down the field and you let him run over some some DBs or make a linebacker miss. Where I especially maybe more of like the 50-50 drops in the red zone in the big plays where it was it would have been a tough catch but he struggles sometimes to come down with those um and obviously now he's he's gotten paid and so the expectations ramp up right away but he's a guy that I think is expected to lead this offense win especially with the first round pick Rashad Bateman going down um Marquise Brown's been the leader so far and I think that's a pleasant surprise but I think you're completely right where that doesn't take the pressure off Mike, Mark Andrews to be Lamar Jackson's safety blanket every single week. Right. And shifting gears a little bit, I just got to talk about Gronk real quick. Is Gronk of 2016 back? He's got four touchdowns in the first two games. Called himself uh, Red Zone Robbie G on the uh, Peyton and Eli broadcast last night. He's looked great. He uh, looks a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, and he's just been a weapon for Brady in the, in the red zone so far. And also Brady with five touchdowns. Let's talk about the Bucks real quick. It's just, 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 man, like, unreal. It's, it's crazy. And you got to note that Rob, when, when he touted himself, red zone, Robbie G, he, he, he had to note that he doesn't practice on Fridays when they practice red zone. 
And um, he also doesn't watch film because Brady watches 40 hours of film and will tell him whatever he needs to know. What a, what a luxury for Robbie G. Well, he got, got the perfect situation. <laughs> that's the only reason he came back is because he didn't have to watch film. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's crazy. And it was, what, the first two drives just marched down the field. You know, Gronk finds a way to create some space, and Brady boop, just puts it on him. And I, I that's kind of who I was thinking of with Mark Andrews. 2021 Gronk even though he's still scoring touchdowns left and right but Gronk was that prime box you out just throw it up and he'll find a way to bring it down and Mark Andrews isn't technically that guy but yeah we'll stay on the Bucks because I mean offensively there were some times the the Falcons actually came back the game was closer than the final score of 48-25 shows um it was, right. it was 28-25 at one point yeah and I know I think the 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 Bucks had two defensive touchdowns in that game as well um and so there's that defense that we saw in that playoff run but yeah they're just a machine right now and I mean obviously against the Atlanta Falcons that's kind of what you expect out of them um but they look really good but what that they have the game I guess already kind of sneak peek into it is week three the Bucks travel to LA to take on the Rams so I'm really excited for that one next week another another real test for for Brady and the Bucks before they head to New England the following week so they're going to be a very highly talked about team as if they weren't going to be already yeah, I'll finally get to see uh, them in prime time. But another thing that I want to note from from the Bucks and Tom Brady, it, you kind of we got we run out of things to say about Brady because he's so great. But one thing that I loved about this last game is in Week One he threw for 400 yards, four touchdowns, but Mike Evans only had like three catches for 25 yards. He wasn't really involved. This game he made sure to get Mike Evans involved early. He ended up with five catches, 75 yards, and two touchdowns. Uh, whenever I watched the game, it looked like he just was really focused on making sure Mike Evans stayed happy. And that's just the, the veteran QB, almost like, almost like a veteran point guard like Chris Paul. Brady knows exactly how to keep his guys happy, keep it moving, and just to have that awareness and then also the skill to, to be like, all right, Mike, you, you didn't get much last week. I'll just get you a quick two touchdowns this week. Um, just They can just do whatever they want. Yeah, no, for sure. And he only had five catches, but he had nine targets, and that was four more than anyone else. So it was clear. I, I That was kind of capping off that first big plays to Mike Evans before he dumps it to Gronk in the end zone. And it's like, well, we, we kind I think we know how today's going to go um, when Brady and those guys get in rhythm early. It's just there, there's not much else to say, especially now when he's got the weapons he has. Right. And Antonio Brown only had one for 17. I'd bet a lot of money that Antonio Brown has at least three or four catches next week. And Brady gets him involved in week three, keeps him happy. He just he seems to push all the right buttons and keep it keep the team going just perfectly. Um, so we'll see if we'll see if the Rams can uh, can knock him off. It'll be interesting to see uh, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Who will he cover? Mike Evans or Godwin? Um, I'd probably assume Mike Evans. Just that physicality uh, matches up well. But gonna be gonna be a really fun game next week. Hopefully Aaron Donald can uh, make Brady's bones work a little bit and put some hits on him. See uh, see if the old guy can can still take a hit. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if we see a couple of the patented Brady businesses just kind of wiping out wiping himself out in the pocket to make sure yeah. he doesn't take a big hit, especially from a guy like Aaron Donald. But yeah, yeah he can do some damage. That that'll be interesting because I know um, the Rams have done a better job of he he hasn't just been playing corner this year. They want to move him around, and it's kind of almost like what the Jamal Adams thing is, but with a a true true DB where just putting them out wide might not play in and play out. That's not the best place to have your best one of your best players. 
but with a with a passing offense like like um Tampa Bay it'll be interesting to see if he sticks with one guy or or kind of follows the hot hand which wouldn't shock me at all um but for me the obviously we talked about the Ravens talked about the Bucks but for me the other biggest winner of this weekend was the Tennessee Titans they go to Seattle they they were 0 one coming in obviously had the kind of shock loss to the Arizona Cardinals in week 1 take down Seattle in a overtime comeback win and Derrick Henry um he, he finally breaks out. He had a 60-yard touchdown run. I think it was in either the third or fourth quarter of that game. And after that, just couldn't be stopped. Finished the game with 35 carries for 182 yards and three touchdowns. And he's, he's, he's back. Yeah, he never really left. I mean, he, was, he had a tough first game. But, you know, with a guy that size and that athletic and that good, he's just going to get his business done. And whenever they pound the rock with him, that fourth quarter is just his. And that's what he did this past week is he – had that 62-yard run late in the game and then just kept on cooking, uh, led them down the field in overtime. And um, they, the Titans also got Julio involved this week when uh, last week he only had two catches for uh, under 30 yards and kind of got called out in the, the post game by uh, Mike Rabel for, for a bad penalty. So um, got Julio involved uh, and got Derrick Henry involved and kind of showed their their blueprint for winning. Uh, it's still the same and, and uh, they can still get it done. Yeah, not, not a great day for A.J. Brown. Only three receptions on nine targets. But like you said, six catchers, 128 yards for Julio leading the way. Six catches, 55 yards for Derrick Henry as well to go along with his nearly 200 rushing yards. And so it was an impressive day. You know, a good day from Russell Wilson. He had a, a, a few of those patented deep ball beauties to Tyler Lockett. He finished the day for, with over 300 yards, um, two TDs, no interceptions, but just couldn't get it done. Only, only six points scored in the second half for Seattle. Great, great stat line for Russell Wilson, but only six second half points against the Tennessee defense that isn't necessarily top notch at home as well is, is a tough pill to swallow. Right. And uh, giving up a comeback. Usually, usually Russell Wilson is the one uh, one doing doing the comeback, the fourth quarter comeback, but uh, couldn't get it done this time. Uh, another team I want to talk about. Um, really, I think for me, the biggest uh, one of the teams I'm really excited to watch the rest of the season. I think you're excited about them too. Is the the uh, the Panthers? I mean, they they are just Matt Rule has them flying around. They completely shut down uh, the Saints. Jameis had no clue what to do. They're flying around. Um, DJ Moore is a baller. Um, Christian McCaffrey just gets seven yards of touch, like we mentioned before. I think that they they just play such solid, good football. They they're never making mistakes. They're never getting the holding penalties that killed the drives. They just play solid, good football, and Sam Darnold does enough to to score twenty six to thirty points a game, and they're gonna. I think they're gonna be at least a double digit win team this year. They're, they've started off two and zero, and they've looked really good in both games. Yeah, definitely. And, and McCaffrey didn't have the greatest day overall. I mean, yeah, the way he does it um, on the ground and through the air is is what makes him. He's always gonna have a good day, but only three yards a carry on twenty four carries. So. The Saints defense really, really did a decent job against him, but 305 yards passing for Sam Darnold. Zach, I was waiting for you to give him five of those to McCaffrey, though. I mean, McCaffrey doesn't have a good day, and he still has 140 yards, you know? like Yeah, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. But it's like the Saints defense gave up 2.7 yards of carry on on 33 attempts. They had to beat him through the air today. Um, But with that Jameis-led offense, it it was going to be – pretty hard to lose that game the the Saints go from the number one offense in football in week one to dead last in week two and so if you want to see the Jameis Winston effect 
we have seen it already in full circle week one to two. He finishes 11 for 22 with 111 yards and two interceptions. Only 17 rushes total in the whole game for 48 yards for the Saints. And so just want to forget overall, Jameis Winston was actually the leading rusher. He he outrushed Taysom Hill and so knocks him (laughs) out in that quarterback battle too. But yeah, tough day all around for the New Orleans Saints. And so it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. I mean, everyone was wondering about the Packers and obviously they take care of the Lions on Monday night, but the Saints come out in after the arguably the best performance in week one. Right. And the thing you got to worry about with the Saints is Kamara had eight rushes for five yards. Um, just not probably one of the worst games Kamara has had. And um, they kind of got away from the run early and didn't really um, they didn't commit to to the run. And that that led to that. But it kind of watching that game it was like Kamara almost checked out. It was, they were down. They were down pretty early. Um didn't have much going on. They were down 17 to zero at half. And it, it honestly looked like Kamara was like, all right, well, I'm done with this game. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take any hits. I'm not going to try and try my hardest this game. Um, just kind of the vibe I got, which you can't, can't blame him too much, I guess, but not really what you want to see from your, your star player who kind of would think would be one of the leaders now that Drew Brees is gone. Yeah. And, and literally nothing going all day. I mean, Five three and outs for the Saints. Their longest drive lasted six plays and ended with an interception. And just they they weren't on the field. There was literally no time to get into any rhythm because they were on the field for a couple minutes at a time. And I, I it might be. I mean, obviously you could say the the Panthers probably put it in cruise control pretty early, but it's kind of surprising um, with just the lack of time the Saints' offense was on the field that this this game wasn't worse than it even was. Yeah, you got to think about what. I mean, Sean Payton's such a good coach. He'll he'll figure something out. You you got to think. Um, I wonder if they're going to use Taysom Hill a little bit more. Um, they've kind of gotten away from using Taysom a, a whole bunch. Uh, it seems like, and I, I I'm gonna next week whenever I watch, I'm going to see how much they use Taysom um, to kind of open up that the run game and maybe do some more read options with Taysom and have that different dynamic as well with him in there. Yeah, four sacks for Jameis on the day. Some maybe they want a, a little bit more mobile guy back there, but. Patriots, Giants, Washington football team are the next three for the Saints. So not not the best of the bunch, but three games that they're going to have to come out and play play well, at least at least New England and Washington. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, for because sure. And then I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about Jameis against that Washington front. But we saw, right. hey, they've got some holes in that defense, too. And so and even. Even with uh, with Jameis, he was putting up 300, 400 yards a game against the Bucks, and of course was throwing three picks, but he was putting up yards. And with the Saints, he only threw for 145 last week. What what'd you say? Under 150 again this week. Um, I think you said 122. There's just not yards coming for, for the Saints, and it, they don't have too many weapons on the outside that scare you. Um, yeah, I was going to say – when you look through this Miami receiving core, it's it's just tough right now without Michael Thomas because I mean New Orleans receiving core, right? Yeah, it's just it's just so bad, and I mean Chris Hogan is their they're probably their veteran their veteran leader right now, <laughs> along with Alvin Kamara. I mean Alvin Kamara is their best receiver by far, and it's just there's there's not much hope otherwise right now. Yeah, only one guy had besides Kamara had four catches. Callaway was the only guy with more than one catch, and he had he had two for eight. Which so the the offense as a whole wasn't good, but 
of course it starts with Jameis and Kamara had a rough day, but it's everybody. Nobody had a good day. The blame, the blame is on everybody, including Sean Payton. Yep. And we can move on now to what was probably the craziest game of the day, um, which was the Arizona Cardinals and the Minnesota Vikings. Kyler Murray in Arizona improved to 2-0. Kirk Cousins in Minnesota fall to 0-2 with a, a missed field goal to end the game, essentially, for Minnesota. And, yeah, it was, it was another wild one. Kyler Murray continues to put on a show, 400 yards passing, touchdowns, two interceptions, 30 yards on the ground with another, another reception. The rookie, Rondell Moore, leads the way in receiving, um, had a 77-yard touchdown, and so that, 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 that was a bunch of yards right there for him. Um, but this, this, this Arizona offense continues to turn away yards. I will say, though, that the Minnesota offense had a really good day as well. Dalvin Cook had a great day, had a scary injury, came back in the game after, um, but just a tough start to the season for Minnesota. Yeah, that was, that was tough, but um, they always seem to lose these close ones. The kicker, the kicker always seems to mess up, um, but really the Cardinals' run defense could not stop Dalvin Cook. They were, they were doing whatever they wanted uh, – against him and Kirk Cousins still had a good day. And if you're a Vikings fan, you got to think, what do we have to do to win? Um, make your kicks, I guess, to start, but they, they, it seemed they did exactly the blueprint that they wanted. They kind of jumped out to a lead and had led most of the game. And then Kyler threw two picks. They won the turnover battle. They scored 33 points. Um, really they, they played great. It was just Kyler had more star power and, um, Kyler had one touchdown where he just threw off the off his back foot. Perfect pass. Kyler comes up with with a couple plays each game that just make you go. Like I want to I want to watch that play another six or seven times. He's he's just amazing. Yeah, and obviously the Cardinals win the yardage battle here, but it's it's a little similar to that Bucks Cowboys game where the the Vikings win the t- turnover battle. It looks like a game on paper that should have won, but they leave four or five points on the board with a missed missed field goal, missed extra point here and there. And just like that, you lose a game. And, and it's easy to blame the kicker when he's the one leaving the points on the field um, with his one job. But obviously, it, it can be a lot more than that. But impressive win. But looking at the Vikings, they, they host Seattle and then they host Cleveland the next two weeks. So things don't get much easier for the Vikings. And it could be a rough start to the season. Hurry. Yeah, that can be that can be 0-4 real quick. And then people are jumping off the bandwagon. So they, they've got to figure it out. For sure, um, Adam Thielen's still producing though. Uh, you watch Thielen, and I mean they've they've got uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, they Thielen and Jefferson both had six catches. Jefferson had more yards, but I feel like Thielen in the red zone is just so good. He had another touchdown this week, and I just like watching Thielen produce every every week. No, if I'm an opposing defense, I, you have to double Thielen in the red zone because that's the one thing where. He is, he is no doubt – Jefferson might be the more talented player right now, especially as year in year, Thielen's getting older. But when it comes to the red zone, there's one guy Kirk Cousins wants to get that ball to, um, and, and that's Adam Thielen. And, but we can move on from that game. And a team uh, – probably the surprise undefeated team so far has to be the Las Vegas Raiders. They go to Pittsburgh against a just a wonky Pittsburgh offense right now. But, hey, 2-0 is 2-0 against two really solid teams in the Steelers and the Ravens that aren't easy to beat. Um, John Gruden, Derek Carr, they're getting it done. Derek Carr's been balling, man. He's been great. Um, Ruggs had 113 yards. He had a, a long, long catch, a 61-yarder. 
the 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 Raiders are good, man. They're they are good. Um, I gotta say that the steel. I don't think the Steelers are good at all. So, Steelers has a really good defense, but they have the most boring offense in the entire league. Um, Big Ben can't throw the ball more than twelve yards on a line. He he does. We were talking about how Tom, Tom Brady avoids sacks. Big Ben just can't move and just crawls under a shell like a turtle. Like he he literally can't move and. He, he just was throwing balls up. He lost some arm strength, so he, he can't make the throws he used to be able to make. Uh, he gets pressured, just throws balls up. They wobble in the air. Got to hold your breath because you think that they're going to get picked every time. Um, also, he has a has a chest injury. So if if he's out, they might be stuck with Dwayne Haskins. But the Steelers offense, if I'm a Steelers fan, I just I, – I'm sorry. That is just not going to be a fun team to watch for another 15 games all year. Yeah, and maybe Big Ben can prove us wrong and turn it around, but it just – I mean, I think you could have said two years ago it looked like it was over. And now with, like you said, it's just he's dealing with a pec injury now. There's a picture of him coming off the practice field, and he's just got pretty much a suit of ice on, pretty much just head-to-toe covered. And it, it's just I, – I don't think he's going to hang in there the whole season. I don't know how he's going to stay healthy. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's a tough guy lasting in the league this long with injuries and stuff, but yeah. And, and it's, it's hard because they have pieces. Obviously that offensive line isn't great. And with a guy like Ben back there, y- you have to protect him, especially at this time. Um, but they have weapons, you know, Najee Harris had a good game. It was just check down time in the second half, just tossing it out to Najee Harris. He's like, all right, bro, you do the work here. Um, and, and it was, it was having some success, but Chase Claypool, Juju Smith, they've got the talent on that side of the ball. Um, but it, it, it's going to start and end with Ben, and, and we'll see if he can get healthy and turn it around. But not not a great start to the year, and could end a my, one of Mike Tomlin's historic streaks of never he's never gone three years in a row without missing the playoffs um, or, or above five hundred. I don't know what it is. It's something where they're like fourteen straight years of five hundred or better. I believe is what exactly. It is. Yeah, and so. There's a lot to, lot on the line, not, nothing real big, but we'll see. I, 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 as a Ravens, as a guy who supports the Ravens, it, I'm not mad about it. But at the <laughs> same time, it's really hard to see because we, we talk about, especially nowadays with the, the athletes at quarterback, but Big Ben has always been that guy to me, like Romo on steroids in regards to you, you just can't bring him down. You know, he finds a way out of it, makes the play when he's this massive guy and to see where he's at right now it's just, it, it sucks to see um because he has been that guy for so long but they don't have any better options and so that's why i say they're going to go as far as he can take them but it's, it's not yeah. looking too bright in pittsburgh i i just don't know why they didn't didn't cut him loose and plan for the future because every other position they've been planning for the future they have young receivers drafted Najee. um every every other position they have a great young defense just signed tj Everywhere else is young, except they just keep hanging on to Big Ben. I don't know why they didn't make the court go younger at quarterback. And when you watch those games, you said they were a lot of checkdowns to running back Najee Harris. And even when they're not doing checkdowns, it's all quick game. It's all drags underneath. It's all slants. Even their deep passes, it's all three-step drop, throw it up to Chase Claypool. It's all quick game. And so Big Ben's just not standing in the pocket. He's not able to, to work the pocket, move up in the pocket anymore. Just tough to watch. Um, I'm glad, glad the Raiders took care of business. Uh, good for them. But I, I can see the Steelers only winning maybe five or six games this year, um, all, all because of the defense as well. Yeah, they, they have Cincinnati next week. And to me, that's a real – that's almost – that's a must win. I mean, one falling to 0-3. But if they can't beat the Bengals, then 
I think your prediction is going to be pretty correct um, because they, they haven't shown it thus far. Um, and then, like you said, with the Raiders, Derek Carr, he's been great. Um, 821 yards in his first two games. That is the most ever to start the season by a Raiders quarterback in their history. So wow. historic start to the season for a team that, I mean, there's a lot of history with the Raiders organization. So I'm, I'm sure that stat could be, could be a little surprising. I mean, we don't know as many of the QBs they've had over the years, but they're, they've, they've had some, <laughs> some gunslingers. Yeah. All right. It's been long enough, Andrew. We let's talk about the Cowboys. Huge, <laughs> huge win. Um, 20 to 17 game winning field goal. How is this game 20 to 17? And there's only one punt. It was just crazy. It was a weird game the whole time. Yeah, there were the amount of whether it was a penalty or or a fumble or anything. The, the swings in this game were just pulling these teams together like the football gods were like, no one will take control of this game. Classic Chargers. Classic Chargers. Yeah. yeah, whether it was the even early on when you get the, the easy touch, the, the straight down the field touchdown drive for the Cowboys opening drive turnover for the chargers cowboys get it back give it straight back to the chargers and that that just those first three drive kind of told the tale of what the game was going to be um all the way down to herbert's interception in the end zone that set up the cowboys game winning drive because it looked like it might be over then and there um but that that that's what that dallas cowboys defense is all about the bend don't break baby you know you can't you can't expect too much from those guys but hey one thing i will say though is Every Cowboys fan knew what they wanted in the draft with a cornerback. Patrick Sertan, J.C. Horn get drafted early, but the pick of Micah Parsons came in so freak. huge on Sunday. He is, he is a freak of nature. Because Absolutely. We have, as a rookie, he's a starting linebacker where, oh, our two, our top two defensive ends go down. Let's just move our rookie to go play the second NFL game ever. You know, this is a, like, and he's the, the best. He's, he's the best player on the D line automatically yes. and, right away. And, and for, and for me, it's just like, what can this guy be in four years? You know, if c- can we turn him into a Khalil Mack light coming off the edge or something? You know, we, um, because he's got he's he's got he's got everything. You know, and I think that's one thing where sometimes they just figure themselves out. And I think Cowboys fans have to be just so happy with what they've seen from Micah Parsons, um, where the last few years it's it's been hard to see too much positives from that Cowboy defense. But another draft pick, another first round pick, Trayvon Diggs huge interception in that game he's looking better and better two or three picks already on the year and just continues to really show out as a true cover corner I don't think he's going to be an all-around run stopper physical threat but as an island guy he's he's showing that potential um in his first year plus for the Cowboys yeah great diving catch uh by him we had two good interceptions use good hands on that one and then uh Casey in the end zone uh as well had a big pick uh Herbert fired that ball. That ball had to be going at least 60 miles an hour, and he uh, got up right up there and plucked it out of the air. Uh, also a really smart play by not running it out. But uh, just going back to Micah Parsons, I want him, as a Cowboys fan, I want him to just be a Von Miller type, honestly. Passing downs after what I saw that week, get his hand in the ground and let him go. Give him one job to the quarterback. And I think just make it simple for him. Um See ball, get ball is what we need to is what we need to do for Micah Parsons. Um, just don't don't get him in coverage either. He's either playing run defense on running downs or rushing the quarterback. I think is is the best way to go for him. Exactly, especially early on. It's like Dan, yeah, Dan Quinn, keep it simple, run ball, hit. That's all yeah. that needs to be going through his head. But one thing I will say though is, 
I, I, I do like the Von Miller type comparison. Um, but one thing with, with Micah Parsons is that he won't necessarily, obviously it's still early. He's got a lot to learn coverage wise and things like that. But with his athleticism, if he is that edge rusher, he's not as much of a liability in coverage as most edge rushers would be if you're trying to scheme some things exactly. up and drop your edge rusher. And so that's just another added. Once he learns and masters that part of the game, he there's nothing he can't do. And so that, that that's where I think Cowboys fans are just – I mean, you, you see your rookie linebacker go start at defensive two. It's just – you, you can't expect that and to see what he did he wasn't he wasn't a showstopper out there with five sacks or anything but you could see especially throughout the game um he was a problem i mean he, he, he was, was a problem. problem i mean he changed the game with that obviously the ref stepped in on that call where when herbert was going backwards but everyone knows herbert did not expect parsons to close out on him like that and completely caught him by surprise and and he changed the game yeah no doubt and i mean you gotta think the the coaches for the cowboys it's just a shiny new toy that can do whatever you ask of it honestly he can he can do whatever we need to do for the team and see after watching hard knocks seems like he just loves football um obviously a little young a little raw but just a, a shiny a shiny new toy that that is just a has a motor that that you gotta love yeah and similarly to like i was talking about the ravens it kind of is a bunch of reserve guys outside of trayvon Diggs back there at corner, you know, and like you said, um, uh, J. Ron Curse was with he had a pick, but it was called back because of soft pass interference call. Um, Malik Hooker's playing well. Keanu Neal moved the move to linebacker. The guys they're bringing in, it's almost polar opposite of how things went last year with the Gerald McCoys, the Don Terry Poes, that none of them seemed to work out or they got injured. Where these guys they kind of just brought in off the three to deep off the street at DB, they're they're kind of working out so far. I didn't see Antonio or Anthony Brown getting getting burnt. <laughs> and so the guys played well. And that's all you can really ask for. And I mean, if you if you told me the Chargers were going to score 17 points on the Cowboys, I thought we win by two touchdowns. But you know, that's just kind of how the Cowboys play. It's going to be close. Um, but they made the plays and, and the defense made the plays, you know, and, and Greg the leg, Greg the leg 56 yarder to win it. Um, I can't really thanks. say I was confident going in, but they went in. Thank goodness that that knuckleball of his was just perfect the entire way because I, I would have had a heart attack if it started outside. He, he split <laughs> that one right down the middle. Got to give him credit. But, man, that makes me nervous for McCarthy because he the way he handled that was just so poor. Um, we should we should have got at least a few more plays in. Um, just bad bad clock management, bad bad coaching at the end there. He's, he's a veteran coach. There has to be something better. He, he blamed it on he couldn't see the time and neither could Kellen Moore. But as a coach, you should that's on you. You just need to know the time. Like that there's no excuse for that. Uh just made me mad. But thank goodness Greg the leg bailed him out. And and it's on the head coach, but it's even more on Mike McCarthy. I mean, everyone knows Kellen Moore is the offensive head coach. Dan Quinn is the deep Mike McCarthy's not this guy that calls plays or anything. Mike McCarthy's literal job is to stand there on the sidelines and call timeouts. That's his only job. You know, are we going to go for it? That's his job. And the, the, the plays that solely rely on Mike McCarthy are the plays, are the things that are just running like chaos for the Dallas Cowboys. And it just proves that, I don't know, Mike McCarthy is, I don't think he does very much. And drives the I, bus, I think right? Show, he drives I think the bus. It, he, he is the bus driver of the NFL. And, hey, his bus won the game. 
And so that's all we can ask for. And hopefully he can do it again next week. But yeah, it was like, what, 15 seconds. Okay, now it's 10 seconds. Okay, now it's five. Oh, are we really just going to kick this from midfield? And <laughs> Hey, it went in. It went in. So maybe yeah. he knew something. He had a little psychic vision that we didn't know about. But yeah, Mike McCarthy is the ultimate bus driver that I wouldn't want to be riding on it. But here we are. Yeah, we're, we're, we're along for the ride now. But uh, see, also seems like the coaching staff finally figured out that Tony Pollard runs better in the scheme than Zeke does. Zeke is still great. He's a great pass blocker. If we need three or four yards, Zeke is great. He's still a good running back. Zeke had a solid game, 16 for 71. But when Pollard gets in there, it's just a different electricity. Um, the way he hits the hole is completely different from Zeke. He's a lot more um, – he makes his decisions way more sudden than Zeke. Zeke is a little bit more patient, waits for the holes to open. Pollard just goes, and he's a one cut and still stays full speed. Um so I, I, Pollard needs to be getting 15 touches a game at least at this point. Yeah, I don't think there's there's no reason. Because I would say the Cowboys are probably going to try to carry the ball 25, 30 times a game. There's no reason each of those guys get 10. If one guy clearly has the hotter hand, they get the bulk of You know, and I think that's kind of what we saw yesterday. You know, um, Pollard only had 13 carries. Zeke had 16. But we saw more of Pollard as he got going. Um, and I think that's good to see because it doesn't matter how much Zeke's making. Um, if Pollard's got the hot hand, he needs to be playing more. And I think they know their roles. You know, Zeke knows he's not that that guy. Zeke knows he can be the bully. And, you know, I think he's embracing that. And, and if we can finally have that one-two quick the, the bulldozer combo, I think that can be great news for the Cowboys going forward. Um, right. Why, why, can, why can we not be the – why can we not have the Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt dynamic duo with Zeke and, and Tony Pollard? I feel like we can definitely do that as well and, and use it the same with, with a better quarterback like Dak. Um, I think that, that's kind of how we need to do it. And uh, any, any third and seven, Zeke needs to be on the field because of his pass blocking. If it's third and seven or less, get Pollard out there. Um, definitely on third downs is, is what I think. Yeah. And and but at the same time, and I think a lot of Cowboys fans are giving Zeke his credit though, where for for the for the pass protection, obviously it was more in Week One where it was really obvious. Um, but at the same time, ever, Tony Pollard deserves his credit. You know, he was actually he was the highest graded player in the NFL in Week Two was Zach Martin, and the highest graded running back in Week Two was Tony Pollard. And so the Cowboys offense they only scored twenty points, but they individual performances and. Let, we can't go without noting Zach Martin coming back into that, that lineup for week two and the Cowboys deliberately just running right off his butt. All and the broadcast did a great job of showing Zach Martin just moves men. You run behind Zach Martin and there is a hole. He just moves grown men out of the way. He's just – he's awesome. Gets, goes about his business and just gets it done. And so going forward, the Cowboys' big Monday night matchup next week against the Eagles – um okay what what are your quick thoughts going forward for that one for the eagles i think make jalen hurts beat you with his with his arm um they they had some big plays he had like a 91 yard pass play um for like two yard line Uh, that was a good throw but just make jalen hurts have to be a little bit uh make his reads confuse jalen hurts don't let him get to his first read make him try and run around and I want I want Pollard spying or uh, not Pollard uh, Micah Parsons spying hurts a little bit, uh, making it tough on him because Micah Parsons is a guy that Jalen Hurts could not run away from and uh, just make it as hard on Jalen Hurts as possible. 
because Cowboys will score points against that Eagles defense. Um, they held the, the Niners to 17 points, which pretty good, but I think the Cowboys can easily score 28. Um, 28-17 is, is kind of the game that I'm looking at there. Cowboys just need to take care of business. Yeah, no, I love the inspired yep. because he can run sideline to sideline with Jalen Hurts. It'll be interesting, though, because obviously Demarcus Lawrence, he'll be out probably till at least around midseason with the broken foot. But Randy Gregory's just been on the COVID list for a little bit longer than people kind of thought he might be. And so if, if they can get him back week two or week three, I, I definitely think we could see Micah Parsons more at, at linebacker again. And because I think that's that's the best matchup the Cowboys could ask for is if if Jalen Hurts doesn't run for 100 plus yards or 50, 80 that he's been doing every week the Cowboys are going to win that game because that's a huge chunk of the Eagles offense that they rely on every week. I mean, Hertz had 190 passing yards and he had, and he had 82 rush yards and the, the, the Eagles had what 240 total yards. So he, he accounted for about 75, 80% of their offense. Right. And he had, a, he had 190 pass yards and one pass play was 90 yards. So that kind of tells you uh, the rest of his game besides that just wasn't, was not stellar. True. That is true. Um, but yeah, I think it could be a little bit more the same for the Cowboys in terms of, I think, I mean, obviously Dak's going to have to win us just about every game. Um, but against that San Francisco front, I would expect, I'm not expecting Zeke to have his breakout performance of the year yet, um, but we'll see what happens. Um, oh, I said 49ers front. I meant Eagles front. Um, but because that is one thing I will say about the Eagles is that for some reason, Fletcher Cox is like my, uh, who is that? Who is that player that went to Kansas? basketball that was balding perry so ellis was there for, perry ellis fletcher cox is my perry ellis of the nfl because i swear fletcher cox was like they're all pro defensive tackle when we were like 10 years old and so he's still getting it done and he makes plays against the cowboys he's the deshaun jackson of their defense when it comes to the dallas matchups um but yeah and so and jalen rager is a guy that I, i've liked what i've seen so far i think he breaks out this year dallas goddard has kind of solidified himself as the number one tight end um, and he, he's playing good. And so we'll see what happens. I, I like the weapon. I like the weapons more than I thought I would in Philly. Um, but if you can contain, contain Jalen Hurts in, in, in the run game, I, I don't think he's a good enough passer yet um, to just beat you if you got him in the pocket all night. Yeah, the, the Eagles weapons are young and they're fast, um, which is good. But I don't know. They still don't really have anybody that scares me. Um, Devonte Smith has, has big plate potential. They all have like big plate potential, but there's not a not a third down and seven guy that really scares you. It's not like a go to guy where all right, third and eight, third and seven, who are we going to? Um, they don't really have that, and so they're missing that aspect. Even though they do have the big play guys, exactly. They're they're hoping Rager Devonte could become that guy, but yeah, no, that's and I mean, it, it's really a a growing process as a whole with that Philly offense because. Other than maybe you're off a couple of your offensive linemen, you don't really have those NFL veteran leaders um, in that locker room. Right, exactly. And Cowboys, take advantage of it. Yep, we'll see what happens. All right, Zach, you got any uh, closing facts for us? Any nuggets? Uh, the Kyler Murray to Rondell Moore uh, touchdown connection was the, uh, the shortest two players to have a touchdown connection combined since like 1975. How do you feel about that? <laughs> That is so crazy. <laughs> Kyler's, Kyler's like five ten, and Rondale's like five seven, five eight, I believe. But yeah, yeah, wild. wow, wow. I was gonna claim just I was gonna save the Derek Carr note, but I thought I'd just throw it in when I did. But this, um, 
just to give a shout out because we were talking about, I mean, you, you were saying number one fantasy receiver, Cooper Cup, off to an incredible start to the year. He's got uh, 16 catches for 271 yards, three TDs um, already this year. He had three TDs all of last season. Um, and Stafford's only thrown five incompletions out of the 21 passes when just targeting Cooper Cup this Jeez. year. And so that 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 duo could be become one of the best in the league pretty quick. Yeah, I he, go trade for him in your fantasy leagues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, All right Zach, I appreciate you joining me. Thank you to everyone listening. Um, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the So Close Yet So Far podcast. Woo.